The doctors always say you're within the normal range. Yes, you are. But if you're on the high end of normal, then you're still not feeling well. And so I said, you need to advocate. And if you're not going to get anywhere with, with that doctor, then move, move on to somebody else who is going to listen to you. And I would still, I still advocate for thyroid strong. You're listening to Muscle Medicine, where we debunk the myths in the health and wellness world to bring you the latest updates in exercise, rehab, and nutrition from industry leaders. Join your host, Dr. Emily Kybert, chiropractor and movement expert, as she brings you simple, actionable tips to reach your fullest potential. Norma. Welcome to Muscle Medicine Podcast. I am actually like a little giddy and nervous to have you on because we've never done a podcast like this where I bring on someone who I've worked with together in that kind of capacity. Normally it's featuring someone else's work and their research and their studies. So this is a very different kind of podcast and I'm really excited to have you on. Well, thank you. I'm totally excited to to be invited to be part of your podcast. So thank you. Yeah, I want to give all the listeners just like a full transparent disclosure. So Norma was one of the first people, I don't know if you know this, was one of the first people to sign up for this online program I have called Thyroid Strong, which is a strength training program to help women with thyroid condition get strong and really maintain their muscle mass and feel better in their body. And so I don't know if you know this, I think there's about 120 women who have done the program and you were like one of like the first three that ever signed up wow. about a year ago. Yeah. So I would love for you to share because many women who listen to this podcast are on a journey trying to kind of discover root causes and go through how can I feel better in my body when I have a thyroid condition? Because I know you shared with me that yours started quite young. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you share that? It did. I believe I had a lifetime of thyroid issues and mine started as a hyperthyroidism, uh, probably as a teenager. And I didn't know it at the time, but hindsight is always twenty twenty. And uh, I think the first sign was, is that I would maybe have one period a year. A year? Yeah. Wow. That's <laughs> and wild. so my mom had taken me to different doctors. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I pretty well was in my early 20s after I got married. A few years later, we were trying to have kids. We couldn't. Went to the doctor and they still couldn't discover anything. So we had moved to a city and I walked into the clinic and the one doctor took a look at me and she said, you've got hyperthyroidism. My, the pupils in my eyes, you could see the whole, or the white, my whole eyes. I, my eyes were bulging and everything. So they had put me on thyroid medicine to bring it down and eventually be weaned off. And every time I got weaned off, it would go super high again. So I decided, this was back in the late 80s, that I would just take uh, matters into my own hands and do my own research. 
I love that, by the way, you being an advocate for your own health, right? That's so right. Many people don't do that. So I love that you did that. Exactly. I did. I went to the library, uh, researched, because at that time I was with a specialist. I researched with pharmacists and I went back to the specialist and presented my case that I've gone a few years and nothing is happening. My options, I had three options. And the one for me at that time was surgery. So since I did my research and I was my own advocate, he agreed with me. So that is the power of investigating and being your own advocate to a doctor. So they had uh, taken out 30% of my thyroid. Then things started working better. But I knew that later in life that my thyroid would eventually go low. And it did, probably in my late 30s at least, maybe early 40s. And so that time, it was worth it because we've got two beautiful girls. So I had to go back to the doctor and just say, you know what, I, I've got heavy periods. I've got, I'm tired. I'm sleeping all the time and I'm gaining weight and there's something wrong with me. And it took about five years till I could convince that doctor to put me on a Synthroid to get feeling better. So you had all the symptoms of hypo, right? So you were hyper in your 20s and you had the surgery, had two beautiful girls and then hypo. What, what were the conversations for five years? I mean, that's a long time. <laughs> It is. It is. And I was really persistent. I just, I just said, I am just not, I, I just don't feel well. And uh, we lived in an area at that time where getting into a doctor was super hard. And I had a doctor and I, I just couldn't really change to anybody else because there was nobody to, else that I could go to. Anyways, he did eventually put it on and I started feeling better. But you know what, Emily, it's been a roller coaster uh, being hypo and um, I've never been diagnosed with Hashimoto's, but I believe looking at the symptoms, I've got pretty well all of them. So it's been up and down and it's uh, once again, it's been taking, uh, looking at my numbers all the time, documenting them and being an advocate. And uh, once again, when I turned 50, that was a really defining point in my life. I turned 50 and at that point, my dad had his first heart attack when he was 62. And I thought, you know what? I was really overweight and wasn't feeling good. I thought, you know, in 12 years, that could be me. And it just kind of put a little health scare into me. So I thought I needed to do something about it. So I started going to the gym, started working out. Nothing was working. So I hired a personal trainer and uh, worked with her for three months, three times a week. And I was able to lose weight. Uh, I felt really good about myself. I was active, but I was still up and down with how I felt. You mean like fatigue-wise and sleeping, or was it something else? I would say probably fatigue, because I would be at the gym six days a week. And so I probably was overtraining. 
And I would just say probably most of it was fatigue. Yeah. And, and there were times of not being able to sleep well. So kind of feeling like tired, but wired at night, like feeling tired, but then you lay down and... Exactly. You mind races. Yeah. yeah. So when your kids were younger, because I think, you know, this, is, this was also my story is like I had kids and, and then I got diagnosed. And I think especially in those earlier years, like everything just feels overwhelming. You're just like, like just keep the child alive, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like... I think everyone talks about like, oh, the child's okay. You're okay. And you're like, well, I don't feel okay, you know? So before you were officially diagnosed as hypo, were you working out? Was there like any sort of kind of routine or self-care that you were trying to do for yourself? Uh, Working out probably consisted of walking and riding my bike. Weightlifting did not enter my world until age 50. That is so a wild and be like really inspiring. Yeah. Because <laughs> weights, you know, if you think about like when did we ever learn to pick up a weight, right? Like right. it wasn't in high school or college. And then it really doesn't happen unless you actively seek it out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I had asked my first personal trainer that I said, uh, one thing that I wanted to learn from her is that when I went to the gym, that if the, all the equipment was used, that I would be able to use the dumbbells in some way. Love that. Like no one ever says that. Everyone just like put me on the machine. It feels safe. Yeah. <laughs> so she, oh, in those three months, she taught me the form, which I know you're a huge advocate for. And, and I understand that. So I had always had proper form and I had the confidence to go into the gym and work with free weights, with all the young people, with awesome form. Amazing. I love that. So it sounds like the form was dialed in, which for a lot of us is like the number one battle so that we don't injure ourselves. But it sounds like maybe you were overtraining and it was kind of pushing you, like just driving up maybe too many stressors and just push you into fatigue. Yeah, I would agree. So then what happened? Well, life, life happened. We, life happened, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We lived in a large city at that time, just over 1.2 million people. That was a couple of years ago. That's when life really kind of changed for us. So uh, my husband had lost his job. So that meant the gym membership went away. And so I didn't have anything at home to work out with. Then he received a job in a small town about six hours away. So, so we decided to move. So during that time, I had sinus surgery uh, in February. We sold a house in February. We bought a house in our new location in March. April, I moved and I started a new job in our new little town. That was April. May, we went to China. July, our second beautiful daughter got married, and I was exhausted <laughs> after that. <laughs> I feel like I need a nap just after hearing, I mean, all the transition. Yeah. And I think with, you know, there's, there's an environmental factors, like internal and external, and stress is one of those, right, that can really drive us kind of 
more into hypothyroidism and, and that fatigue. So you were exhausted. I was exhausted. I was lucky enough to find a doctor in a small little town. She's a young lady. Anyways, she's really good about getting my thyroid tested often. So I had moved, all of that happened, and my thyroid was over five. So I was pretty low. Your TSH, your thyroid stimulation, okay, was over yeah. five, yes. Yeah, so, so I just really struggled. I was always in bed. You know, I worked full time, and I was always in bed at 7.30 at night. Yeah, I was pretty tired. I had a foggy mind. I just existed basically. So a year after that, I was listening to a podcast and I heard you. And I had come to the end of of doing any, buying any more program. I wasn't going to do anything else. And when I listened to you, I said to my husband, this is the last program I'm going to buy and uh, be a part of. And because I said it, it it makes sense to me of what you were talking about and the the weightlifting with the kettlebells for the Hashimoto's, the low thyroid, it made sense. So that's how I fell upon your program. And I have to be honest, when I first opened it after hardcore training, I thought, oh, like, I thought, okay. <laughs> but like, I that's did, it? I, <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did the, stretch, the stretching ones and the breathing, you know, and I go back to that quite often when I'm sore or I need to stretch out. So those I do appreciate. And then when you created the Thyroid Strong videos, I love those. And that challenged my body. I really noticed the difference in my energy levels. I had a clear mind. I started seeing a difference in my body because I had, was starting to gain weight again. So I loved it. But when you created the Stay Strong, I thought, you know, I think I can just continue just doing the Thyroid Strong and I'll just motivate myself in that way. But it, it didn't work out that way. So for the people who don't know... so okay. You joined Thyroid Strong, like it was like 1.0, right? And it was kind of like rehab exercises and one strength exercise. And this was like a year ago. I got a lot of feedback of, because I wanted to make a beginner so that people who were not as active didn't feel alienated. And the feedback was, this is too easy. Can I get a refund? And my heart was like breaking, but I believe all feedback is good feedback, right? So like even that like heartbreaking feedback, I was like, okay, how do we take this and implement it? And that's when it was like thyroid strong 2.0, which was like three workouts a week came for six weeks, right? And then after that six weeks, there was this amazing group of women, you being one of them. And I was like, I can't feel like I'm going to leave these women hanging. So then kind of was this natural evolution of this thing called stay strong, which is kind of just a continuation of strength workouts with kettlebells. Exactly. For people who don't know. And I love that you share, this is the last course I'm buying because I am also someone who like, I love to learn and purchase courses. And I have my husband's like, M, you're like, again, another course. <laughs> and I'm like, but I love it. 
So it was interesting because I remember you emailing me and you're like, hey, I'm doing a lot of walking. And I was like, wait, I thought you were doing weightlifting. <laughs> and you're like, well, I just wanted to like try something different, right? Of like counting your steps, which there's so much research out there of staying active and step counts relating to longevity, right? But it doesn't necessarily stimulate the muscle tissue in a way that someone with an elevated TSH or being hypothyroid may need. Tell me how you felt walking. Cause I think it's a super common recommendation for, from lots of practitioners, right? Like the endocrinologist, mm-hmm. functional medicine. Oh, like you're on, you want you have an underactive thyroid. We don't want to burn you out. So like just walk and do some yoga, but I don't think those are the best recommendations. Right. Well, with the walking, um, I've got a Fitbit. And of course, I'm in a group with a oh, few I other family. It's, uh, it's my daughter, her mother-in-law, and my sister. And now her sister-in-law is in there too. And I'm extremely competitive. <laughs> so <laughs> so <laughs> I always wanted to be at the, the top of the group because we, you get a weekly progress. I always wanted to be number one. So that was, I think, my main motivator to get between 10 and 13,000 steps so I could uh, be at the top. But, you know, I noticed I was doing that, but I started uh, to become fatigued again. I just knew I wasn't feeling the way I was when I was working out with with the kettlebells. That's sort of around the time COVID happened and work where I work, we were essential workers and it was extremely stressful and uh, really busy. So that taxed my energy levels as well. And I think the biggest thing is I missed the ladies and being competitive, I felt I was left behind. (laughs) So I... I thought, oh, I missed the boat working out with you ladies on a weekly basis, just knowing I'd be at the same place. And so I really had to overcome that as well, going into the stay stay strong and just knowing that everybody's at a different space that I recognize I need to compete against myself Yeah, and nobody else. And I'm doing it and... I'm feeling better. I just finished off month two and already I noticed I've got way more energy. I've got a clear mind. My husband said he notices that my body is changing. Although that's not my main focus back in the day, it probably was, but now is I just want the energy. I want to feel good. I want today. I was able to do a two handed kettlebell swing, 16 kilograms. I love that. And my one arm swing was 12. Amazing. And I challenged myself with the, uh, with the rows, with the 18 and the 20 kilogram. Whoa, get out. (laughs) Get out. I love that. So I, I love being able to share, you know, with my colleagues at work and just say, you know what, I can swing those kettlebells. You're like, yeah, I can. Yeah. <laughs> what would you tell the woman who might look at a kettlebell and be like, I don't know, that might injure me. Like I'm scared of those. Cause I think that's a common thing that comes up is fear around weight, even though it's never, 
it's never the kettlebell, right? It's always kind of like user form right. and yeah. What would you exactly? Yeah. Well, what I would say is that you give amazing instructions to form. And you always make sure with every move that you explain that we need to be stacked. You need to, and you explain how our form should be. And we practice with the broom handle. And so I would say, don't be afraid because you give step-by-step instructions and you can go with the weight that you're comfortable with. I know with the press, I have a struggle with the 12 kilogram. I, I can't do it. Pressing so is hard. It's hard. It, it's hard. It's so hard. I, I just go back. I know I can do 20. And, but I know one day I'll be able to, to go up to the 25. So don't be scared. Be brave. And just know that the thyroid strong and the stay strong, it builds upon one another. Each week is a building block. So you would be amazed you know, six weeks down the road, like, wow, I didn't even think I could do that. And then when you get into stay strong, I was petrified. I thought the one arm swing, the kettlebell was going to go out the window. And <laughs> I did too, when I first did it. <laughs> exactly. And when I did one, I thought, wow, I can't believe I did that. So I th- you, you give great building blocks Thanks for the step-by-step. So you've noticed your energy change, which I think is the most important, you know, for myself as well. I think my younger self was more into how can I change my body? And I think as I get older and I want to be present for my kids and I'm sure for you, like your grandkids, you know, yeah, it's like, how can I sustain the energy? Cause they're just like little bundles of (laughs) little balls of energy. How do you feel like your mindset has changed? Because it sounds like there's been a mindset shift. Yes. Yeah. I would say there is a mindset shift. I know, well, because I've been eight years. It's been an eight-year journey of weights. And I would say uh, midway through, my family was going to do an an intervention (laughs) because I was so focused on how thin I could get my body. I've moved beyond that because social media just shines on that so much that we need to be thin, you need to be this or that or whatever. But we all just need to be happy with the skin that we're in and just focus on being consistent with our exercises, being consistent with healthy eating, and the results come. And you were talking about the Fitbit, right? And I, I have a feeling you were probably number one every week with hitting I was. reps with being so competitive with the family. Yeah. Does the family now, like, are they like, uh, like Norma, are we going to keep competing? Uh, and you're like, wait, I'm kettlebelling. My, my feet are on the ground. <laughs> so my daughter, I told her, I said, you know, I told her, I said, you know, I'm last now because I'm working out again. She says, mom, I know you're working out. And she says, I know that. I'm doing more than just the walking. So uh, I think the mindset is, is I just want to be healthy and I want longevity. I want mobility. I want to be able to be there for our grandchildren and our future grandchildren. I'm hoping to be a role model for our kids and grandchildren. And our little, three little granddaughters were here a couple of weeks ago 
And the oldest one, Kella, she came up to her mom and she says, mom, and she took her mom downstairs and she said, what are these? And Stephanie, Stephanie, she said, the mom, her mom, she said, those are kettlebells. Uh, Nana works out with those. And uh, so I said, Kella, I'm doing a workout tomorrow. And so anyways, uh, we did a workout together and they didn't last the whole, but at least they could see what a workout with kettlebells were. So I feel like that is just being a good role model. I love that so much, right? Because that imparts such a stronger image than hopefully what we will scroll along Instagram, right? Or what they may find online or on the TV and come back to that, that it's like instilled really deeply. Right. I know you posted a photo of you and your daughter like working yes. out together. And I was like, oh my gosh. And like, I get, I get chills even thinking about it right now. Yeah. 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 She's, uh, she's our youngest daughter. And so when we are together physically, we do work out together so that's been really awesome. She's also been a really great motivator for me to get back into the stay, stay strong. I had, you know, this, the last month I struggled again and she really was working out beautifully. And so I told her, I said, you're such a great example for me as well. So I decided I would follow her lead and just be consistent. I've also changed. I used to always work out after work. And like even a way back when I in the, my early 50s, I wouldn't get home from the gym till 7.30. Like our day started at 4.30 in the morning. Oh my gosh. And because of our commute times. So I've shifted that now to the early mornings. And I've had a success story of this week being able to do three mornings workouts. And what a difference even that made. I noticed the difference. I had energy for the day. I had a clear mind. And your your exercises are not long. So they're easy to fit in first thing in the morning. Wow. That's amazing. I think it's also important. So I even know for myself and a lot of the women that I work with that even working out at like 3 p.m., let alone what you were saying, you know, after work, I'll go home and I'll feel like totally wired. Like I'm like ready to take on the world and it's like 10 PM until like 2 AM. And I think it's really important to right because exercise is a stressor, which I think some of us forget. And so when we wake in the morning, we want our cortisol, our stress hormone to be high, to get us out of bed and start the day. And then as the day goes on, cortisol will drop until the evening when we should be like calm and ready to go to bed. And so when we work out late, it can kind of disrupt that balance. So it's so nice for you to not only be an advocate for your own health, but to really kind of read your own body and see like, okay, well, how am I feeling when I work out in the evening? Oh, well, let me try in the morning. How do I feel? And I'm sure like the first morning workout, you were like, oh my God. (laughs) I know for me, I'm always like, I'm dragging, but by like the second and third day, you know, you're talking about consistency. You're like, oh yeah, this like this actually feels really good. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think planning ahead. Let's say for the week, and uh, John, my husband John, will always ask me, "What are your exercise plans for this week?" And so, if I speak it out and just say, "Can you hold me accountable for for these days at this time?" That also helps. 
Yeah. And what a great kind of support network around you. Mm-hmm. Be like your cheerleaders. I love that. Yeah, exactly. What do you, I guess, as you look, cause right, your, your journey has been, you know, up and down, but it also has been over different phases of life and different decades, you know, st- starting with being hyperthyroid in your twenties, when you look towards the future, and I know right now is a very kind of not normal time. What are you hopeful for? Or what do you look forward to? Oh, I, what I look forward to is to continue doing kettlebells till I'm 70 and 80. Oh my God. And because <laughs> yeah. age is just really a number and I don't feel my age at Say all. Say that again, because I think more people need, men and women of all decades need to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Age is just a number. <laughs> it really is. And I just hope to continue to have the energy, the vitality of life. I love to ride my bike and I, I have the energy now to do that. I've been doing 18 kilometer rides and I have the energy to do that. And I hope to, uh, my dream is to ride back. I used to ride in the mountains and go, cause we live by the mountains. And I told Kella, our oldest granddaughter, her and I rode bikes a few weeks ago. And I said, my dream is for you and me and well, all my grandchildren to go uh, and ride in the mountains together on our bike, on our mountain bikes. That's amazing. What was her reaction? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I think she was a little overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> I think she just, uh, just let me get used to like, you know, what we're doing right now <laughs> before you're talking about kilometers. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, Norma, thank you so much for sharing your story because I think it is so many women's stories and it's so relatable. And, you know, I think a lot of us think that healing and feeling good is linear, right? Like, oh, I'll change who I eat and then I'll feel better. And and it's, it's sometimes an up and down journey, right? Like you try something and then you're, you know, and then you try something else and it's really being in tune with your body and being an advocate for your own health and not letting someone else, you know, dictate your health. And I thank you so much for just sharing, sharing your journey and, you know, the vulnerability of, you know, sometimes feeling like, you're like, oh my God, I'm behind. Right. But we're never behind because you have kettlebells and they'll always be yeah. there. <laughs> They're not biodegrading anytime soon. Cool. Is there anyone, like, is there anything that comes to mind, like, let's say you met a friend on the street and they were like, oh my God, I just got diagnosed. My TSH is five and above and I'm so tired. Is there anything, and it doesn't have to be thyroid strong related, like just anything that you would tell your friend? Because that would be kind of like the beginning of a journey for that person. Right. It would be. I would tell that friend to be your advocate, know your numbers. What are your numbers? Write it down and then research. The doctors always say you're within the normal range. Yes, you are. But if you're on the high end of normal, then you're still not feeling well. And so I said, you need to advocate. And if you're not going to get anywhere with with that doctor, then move, move on to somebody else who is going to listen to you. And 
I would still, I still advocate for thyroid strong. Oh, and at <laughs> that a part of your journey, it, uh, it's an awesome, it's awesome. So. Oh, thanks Norma. Well, thank you so much for being on muscle medicine. I'm sure so many women will like just feel this deep down, right? Cause sometimes we listen and it's very cerebral, but you know, you sharing your story is there's a lot of soul in it. So thank you for that. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I, I appreciated it very much. Thank you. Awesome. That's a wrap. I have two truths that I fully believe in. First, to be 1% better every single day. And second, all feedback is good feedback because it helps us grow. Why do I say this? If you're enjoying these conversations and you find this is adding value, send us some love by subscribing to Muscle Medicine Podcast on iTunes. And if you want to share your voice with the world and scream it from the rooftops and tell your friends, or you can just give us a little feedback so we can grow by rating and reviewing Muscle Medicine on iTunes. Thank you guys. So much gratitude. Dr. Emily Kybert here. <laughs>